Chapters twenty five and twenty six of the clock struck one by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty five Confession. There was also a short note to the manuscript stating that Edermont had found out and helped the son of his old enemy, Dr. Scott, on the ground that he felt himself to be the cause indirectly of the man's death. Allen took occasion to explain this particular matter. Now I come to look back on it he said reflectively i believe that edermont must have supplied most of the funds for my education i understood they came from monies left by my dead father but from this story touching the manuscript it would appear that he died poor certainly mr edermont behaved generously in inviting me to settle in canterbury when i qualified for a doctor and in helping me with a loan i am afraid i acted badly to him on that day added allen in a penitent tone but i was not myself the news of my father's terrible death maddened me and he was my father after all sighed dora poor soul i never cared over much for him as i did not like his personality and as i thought i was living on my own money i did not realize his generosity i am glad to know that i am not the daughter of carew it is strange that mrs tice did not know edermont was your father said allen after a pause or you must have been born shortly before the dargales returned to christ church ah here is mrs tice he added as the housekeeper entered come here nurse we have good news for you and what may that be asked the old dame smiling dora and i intend to fulfil our engagement and marry the face of mrs tice grew stern with dismay and disapproval impossible mr allen how can you marry the daughter of your father's murderer that is just it nurse dora is not the daughter of carew but of julian dargill oh she was adopted by mr dargill i know said mrs tice still unconvinced and was called by his name in christ church why he changed her name to carew i do not know though to be sure she was his ward and not his daughter and carew was her real name so we all thought said dora impetuously but we have just discovered that i am really and truly the daughter of mr dargill and his wife laura listen mrs tice and i'll tell you the story the narrative greatly surprised mrs tice who was forced to sit down and lift up her hands in her surprise she was forced to believe that dora was dargill's daughter by laura carew's second marriage and as mrs tice mentally noted illegitimate owing to carew still being alive after her birth but the housekeeper was too wise and kind-hearted to touch upon so delicate a point deary deary me she ejaculated and no one knew it in christ church i never saw you myself miss dora or i should have known that so young a child could not have been the daughter of a man dead over a year i am surprised no one else guessed it how blind we all are oh you may be sure lady burville told some story to account for the appearance and size of the child said allen cynically she is an adept at trickery but i cannot understand dora why she did not tell you the name of your real father she did not wish to inculpate herself more than was necessary said dora in a bitter tone she told me she was my mother only because she believed i would denounce her as guilty of the crime and you know those letters pallant wanted allen well i have no doubt that those were the letters she wrote to edermont i can hardly bring myself to call him father giving him permission to take me to live with him probably he paid her for doing so 
after all she is your mother miss dora said mrs tice reprovingly she has not acted a mother's part retorted dora she deserted me she deceived me she lied to me i never wish to set eyes on her again i think that will be rather a relief to her than otherwise said allen she is determined to keep her position as sir john's wife and will refuse to make any explanation likely to endanger it however it does not matter to us my dear the bar to our marriage is removed indeed i wonder your father did not tell me the truth the poor soul was a coward allen he admits as much in his confession few men would have behaved as he did especially in the face of the fact that captain carew was in danger of arrest for the murder of your father all mr edermont's elaborate precautions were dictated solely by his lifelong dread i can see no other reason why he should have passed me off as his ward however now that we know the truth i can marry you we will marry as soon as you like dearest and i am glad for your sake dora that you will inherit the fifty thousand pounds left by your father but how is that mr allen cried mrs tice in amazement that money was only left to the person who discovered the murderer well nurse dora has done so joad is the culprit you don't say so well i always did think he was a bad man and he had the boldness to say you were guilty of his own wickedness cried mrs tice indignantly i am glad he has fallen into his own trap but why did he kill mr dargill ah said allen that is just what i should like to know no motive is assigned in the manuscript it is a mystery at present mr carver may force him to confess his reason suggested dora or perhaps he may guess it what mr carver yes mrs tice i believe mr carver knows a great deal more about my unhappy father than he chooses to confess from the reference in the manuscript to my father's family lawyers i am inclined to think that mr carver knows who they are if he does he knows also that mr edermont's real name was julian dargill i wonder if he knows anything about john allison said allen abruptly i don't see what there is to know about him replied dora carelessly the man did his work well and inveigled carew to america when he returned my father recompensed him as he says in his confession i dare say john mallison is settled somewhere in england happy and content why do you ask allen i was thinking that failing joad's confession mallison might know his motive depend upon it dora the reason is mixed up somehow with that dark story of the past well well said dora with a sigh we shall know all when mr carver comes in the meantime let us enjoy our present happiness mrs tice approved of this sentiment and brought in tea the two lovers with confidence restored between them lingered over their simple meal and made plans for the future it was after six before they awoke to the fact that twilight was waning and as dora had to return to the red house on her bicycle allen suggested that she should start at once she demurred to this as she was anxious to hear the lawyer's report of his interview with joad and while they were arguing the matter mr carver arrived for so unemotional a man he seemed greatly excited and shook hands heartily with dora although he had seen her but a few hours before mr carver explained the meaning of that second salute i congratulate you young lady he said heartily through your cleverness and tact we have found out the truth you are a heroine miss carew not miss carew interposed allen brightly but miss dargill i beg your pardon said mr carver in a stiff manner 
i am aware that mr edermont's real name was dargill as you have no doubt learnt from the manuscript but this young lady is the daughter of your late client interrupted dora captain carew was not my father mr carver i am the child of julian edermont or rather dargill in that case i congratulate you again miss dora said carver compromising the matter by calling her by her christian name you can now marry dr scott since your father did not kill his father do you know that story asked allen with a start oh dear yes i was told it by my late client but he did not inform me that this young lady was his daughter i was always under the impression that she was the child of captain carew and the ward of the late mr dargill strange she should have kept that from me mused the lawyer but i never yet knew a client to tell the whole truth but this is all very well broke in dora what has joe done fled to london no he has been with me for the last two hours and by this time mr carver glanced at his watch he is no doubt back in his cottage back in his cottage echoed the doctor did he not make a confession certainly it was written out and signed in my presence with two witnesses myself and one of my clerks to testify to the signature then he confesses the murder oh dear me no said carver dryly he does nothing of the sort but he confesses as to who committed the murder didn't he do it himself no miss dora he did not our friend joad is innocent although added the lawyer with an afterthought he may be described as an accessory after the fact then who killed my father cried dora in blank amazement aha that is a long long story replied carver with a nod all in good time my dear young lady you tell me briefly what is contained in the manuscript and i shall supply the sequel thus added mr carver rubbing his dry hands we shall arrive at a clear and logical understanding of the whole complicated matter both lovers protested against this proposal but carver firmly refused to speak a word until the gist of the manuscript was communicated to him in the end they were reluctantly compelled to give way to the lawyer's obstinacy and postpone the satisfaction of their own curiosity assisted by allen the young girl communicated all the details but succeeded little in moving the emotions of mr carver perhaps the sequel he referred to was more exciting than what they told him but on this point the pair had a speedy opportunity of judging it's a queer story said carver reflectively but i've heard queerer it is the sequel that is the odd thing about this here is a man who for twenty years goes in dread of his life and takes all manner of precautions to look after it yet a few days after he has learnt that his enemy is dead and his life is safe he is foully murdered i am not a superstitious man miss dora but i see the finger of fate in this your father was doomed to die a violent death and his lifelong fears were justified by the result but he was not killed by the man whom he expected to be his murderer quite true dr scott he was killed by the man whom he did not expect to be his murderer what do you mean cried dora rising did my father know this man intimately he was the man who at one time saved mr edermont from being caught by captain carew you don't mean john mallison shouted allen in wide-eyed surprise mr carver nodded that's the man he killed edermont you must admit that there is something ironical in the fact 
i don't understand it at all said dora helplessly will you be so kind as to tell us how and why the crime was committed willingly replied carver and commenced forthwith my late client as you know went for years in fear of his life he said in his dry way but shortly before the murder his fears were ended by a communication from a mr pallant this gentleman told him that captain carew had died in san francisco and as a reward for his intelligence asked mr edermont for a packet of letters written by lady burville to her second husband mr edermont was unwilling to give them up as he saw that pallant wanted to blackmail the unfortunate woman your mother miss dora he refused to comply with mr pallant's request and wrote to lady burville at hernwood hall asking her to come to his study in the red house on the night of the second of august between eleven and twelve o'clock when he undertook to give her up the letters but why did he choose so late an hour because he did not wish to compromise lady burville's position nor did he wish pallant to know this letter he posted himself but joad who was afraid of losing his home with his patron and thinking something was wrong obtained the letter in some way from the village post-office and made himself master of its contents those he communicated to me as i have told them so you see continued mr carver that edermont expected a visit from lady burville on that night he also expected a visit from scott yes said allen eagerly he wrote to me and appointed almost the same hour but why i will tell you doctor he wished to give lady burville the letters but only conditionally that in your presence she admitted that dora was her child oh so he repented telling me that carew killed my father no but he repented letting you remain under the impression that dora was the child of your father's murderer that as he knew was a bar to your marriage and to do away with it he asked you to meet lady burville but i did not meet her no because you were late and she would not wait but let us continue edermont also wrote a letter to mallison telling him that now carew was dead and his fears at an end he would no longer pay him the pension he had hitherto allowed him that letter was the cause of his death but how asked dora and allen together you shall hear joad learning as i have said about the appointment with lady burville made up his mind to overhear the conversation he knew by the letter he had opened that the postern gate and the glass door were to be left ajar so about eleven o'clock he got into the house that way without being seen by mr edermont yes mr edermont at that moment was in his bedroom so joad slipped through the study and hid in the darkness of the hall here he altered the clock by putting it on an hour but why did he do that in case edermont should suspect him the next day exclaimed carver then he could prove an alibi by saying he was in his cottage he did this with success to clear himself of the murder but primarily it was to make himself safe in the eyes of edermont well we know that he altered the clock what happened then lady burville arrived and edermont returning to the study gave her the letters joad hidden by the door saw and heard all edermont showed her the manuscript which he took out of the bureau and told her he was going to burn it and alter his will afterwards when dr scott did not come she refused to wait and went off edermont saw her to the glass door at the end of the deserted drawing-room he left the manuscript on the desk and seeing a way to get a hold over edermont joad stepped into the room during his absence and secured it the scoundrel cried dora excitedly go on mr carver 
hardly had joan hidden himself again when edermont came back in a state of terror with mallison at his heels mallison reproached him for cutting off his income and swore he would obtain the manuscript which he knew was in the bureau and reveal the whole story he began to pull out the drawers smash the desk and toss the papers all out edermont raved and implored and threatened ultimately he took out a pistol to shoot mallison in the extremity of his terror mallison to defend himself caught the knob carry from the wall the first barrel of the revolver proved empty and before edermont could fire again mallison killed him by smashing in his head with the club horrible and joad when he saw the murder he rushed in and tried to raise an alarm mallison caught him by the throat and swore he would kill him also if he did not hold his tongue joad in terror promised to do so then the clock struck one mallison looked at his watch and found it was only twelve seeing a chance of proving an alibi for them both he dragged joad out of the house into his cottage and so he was safe it was shortly after they entered the cottage that dr scott came down the road he entered saw the evidence of the crime and fled and why did joad hold his tongue because mallison found out he had the manuscript which joad hid and would not give up he swore he would say that joad had committed the crime if he did not keep quiet you can see for yourself the position in which joad was placed of two evils he chose the least and held his peace but when he found that the manuscript was gone he thought mallison had taken it and fearful for his life lest mallison should denounce him to gain the fifty thousand pounds he came in to-day and confided all to me i understand all said dora all but one point who is john mallison why said carver quietly none other than your polite friend mr pride chapter twenty six a final surprise and now that the mysterious criminal has been discovered nothing remains but to relate the end of some and the future of others meaning all those persons who directly or indirectly have been connected in any way with the tragic death of julian edermont in the first place joe died of heart disease this organ had been affected for some considerable period and he had always been told to live quietly and to avoid excitement for years he had taken this advice and had vegetated at the red house but the dread of what mallison might do to him and the excitement of the subsequent arrest proved too much for him he fell dead on his doorstep on the very night on which the murderer was arrested although said the morning planet commenting on this event it was perhaps as well that he did not live he might have been arrested for keeping silence as to his knowledge of the assassin he was an accessory after the fact and in his terror he compounded a felony so probably if he had lived the law would have taken cognizance of his behaviour but as it was lambert joe died worth fifty thousand pounds by the will of julian edermont this amount was left to the person who should bring his murderer to justice mr joe did this as it was through his instrumentality that the criminal mallison alias pride was secured by the police he was arrested in joad's cottage whither in the evening he had gone to see the old man and owing to the excitement of the struggle and subsequent capture joad fell dead of heart disease his gaining of the reward did him but little good but it will now go to his relatives if he has any and should prove a lucky windfall for them although lady burville's name was kept out of the papers a rumour got about that she was connected in some way with the case 
nothing very definite was known as to how she was implicated but it was hinted that in some vague way the death was due to her influence alarmed at this hint of publicity and tired of being blackmailed by pallant the little woman plucked up her small portion of courage and confessed the whole story to sir john needless to say the millionaire was deeply shocked but as he recognized that his wife was one of those weak fools of women who bring trouble on themselves and on everyone else he forgave her he trusted to the influence of his strong nature to keep her in the right path for the future and indeed as laura burville had an assured position for sir john insisted upon marrying her again after he knew that carew was really dead and plenty of money she had no temptation to behave badly after the confession and second marriage and forgiveness she felt much happier than she had done since the tragedy at christchurch her fate was a better one than she had a right to expect with pallant who knew that lady burville had not been actually married seeing that carew still lived when the first ceremony took place sir john came to a compromise he paid him a handsome sum of money for which he received a receipt then he turned the blackmailer out of the house made him leave england and swore if he ever set foot in london again that he would prosecute him for blackmailing as pallant knew that sir john was a man of his word and moreover as he had reaped a rich harvest by his blackguardly conduct he went willingly abroad ultimately he returned to san francisco and was shot in a chinese gambling shop while playing fantan no one regretted him when he died and the only people who gave him a thought were the burvilles who breathed more freely when they saw an account of the tragedy so augustus pallant was punished in the long run for his many villainies and the still greater villain john mallison came to his right end also he refused to admit his guilt but thanks to the evidence of meg gantz who deposed as to the alteration of the clock and to the confession of joad he was arrested and tried for the murder of his quondam friend the jury brought him in guilty and he was condemned to death at the last moment he confessed that the charge was true i did kill julian dargill he confessed the night before his execution and i am glad that i rid the world of the crawling little ingrate twenty and more years ago i saved his life from the bullet of carew at the risk of my own i took his name and led carew off to america on a false trail and had it not been for the dexterity with which i avoided him i should have been killed by my pursuer in mistake for dargill and for this service julian allowed me only a paltry two hundred a year i turned tutor and took the name of pride at chillum to keep dargill under my eye and i had to have some excuse for remaining in so dull a hole julian was afraid to tell me face to face that he intended to cut off my pension the coward wrote although i was at chillum at the time it was no coincidence that i was in the study between the visits of lady burville and scott i learnt from joad who opened the letter to lady burville that edermont expected those two at midnight on the second of august i wanted to go and taunt him before them with his mean conduct i did not intend to kill him but only to taunt him and to get possession of the manuscript so as to force him to continue my pension but he threatened me with a pistol and in self-defence i killed him the blow was unpremeditated but since it killed him i refuse to say that i am sorry i knew that joad had secured the manuscript but he refused to give it up and i could not find out where he had hidden it if i had secured the manuscript no one would have known that john mallison was in existence and i would then have denounced joad as the assassin and gained the fifty thousand pounds it was his belief that i had taken it instead of miss dora that made him tell carver the truth but he is dead too the miserable traitor 
i shall have one satisfaction in going to the scaffold and knowing that the man who injured me and the man who betrayed me have gone before both their deaths directly and indirectly can be laid at my door i'm glad of it as to dora there was some difficulty over her marriage this time through her own scruples about her birth she reminded allen of the blot upon her life that she had not even a right to the name of dargill much less that of carew but allen laughed away her scruples and kissed away her tears and swore that she should be his wife in the spring dora yielded to his persuasions and to those of mrs tice and surrendered herself to the full tide of happiness which was bearing her along to a prosperous future so all was settled and then came a final surprise from no less a person than mr carver shortly after mallison alias pride had paid the penalty of his crime the lovers were seated on the lawn of the red house under the shadow of the mighty cedar it was a quiet and beautiful evening just after sunset and the sky was resplendent with colours like the hues of a butterfly's wing allen's arm was round the waist of dora and they were talking of their future i think it will be best for you to come to canterbury dora he was saying after the tragedy which has taken place in this house you can never live in it without a shudder marry me live in canterbury and we will keep on mrs tice's housekeeper but i lose what little fortune i have if i leave it remonstrated the girl what of that i can give you a comfortable home dearest my practice is increasing and in a few years we shall be quite opulent give up your father's bequest my own and let us begin our new life without dwelling within the shadow of a crime while dora was reflecting what answer to make the gate opened it was never locked now and mr carver as black as a raven and as lean as a stick made his appearance he saw the couple on the lawn and walked directly towards them with what was meant for a smile on his grim face indeed he had taken a great fancy to the young couple to dora in particular and they both welcomed him heartily well my young friends said he when the first greetings were over i have come to learn your plans we were just making them said dora with a blush allen wants me to give up the red house and live in canterbury when we are married i agree with him there miss dora the red house is what the scotch call uncanny i should not like to live in it myself with the knowledge that a brutal murder has been committed within its walls i feel the same as you do replied dora all the same if i give it up i lose my poor two hundred a year and shall go to allen a pauper dearest as if that mattered i can provide a home for you and mrs tice shall look after it be comforted miss dora said carver smiling you will not go to allen a pauper you are entitled to fifty thousand pounds your father's money but why mr carver i did not find out who killed my father no but joe did and the money came to him on the day that he made his confession as if anticipating his untimely end he made his will and left all the money to you all the money to dora cried allen joyfully then she inherits her father's money after all every penny of it replied carver gravely and i'm glad to say so but but can i take it said dora in a hesitating manner tut tut why not you need have no compunction in doing so my dear as your father's daughter and sole offspring he should have left it to you it has only passed through joad's hands on its way to your pockets take it by all means i kept the telling of this for you as a pleasant surprise do not spoil my little plot by a refusal 
what do you say allen i say with mr carver my dear take it it is lawfully yours then i shall accept it fifty thousand pounds oh allen dora flung her arms round his neck you can go to london we can take a house in harley street you can become a famous physician and-and-and all your geese will be swans laughed carver kindly but allen did not laugh he held dora to his breast and kissed her my dearest he said in a grave tone the money is not unwelcome but a greater gift has come to me than that the gift of a true-hearted stanch woman who will be a noble wife hear hear said carver the misogamist and so that disturbed chapter in their lives came to an end end of chapters twenty five and twenty six end of the clock struck one by fergus hume recorded by celine majeure